He is risen. Ah, uh, does that saying ever get old? No. Oh, that's the right answer. No. <laughs> I am so glad to have all of you here. You know what's interesting about Easter is that Easter um, is, is the event, the most crucial event in history that if you could disprove that Jesus rose from the dead, if you could disprove the cross of Christ, you could disprove all of Christianity. That's an amazing fact. The Apostle Paul actually said this, that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our preaching or our teaching is in vain. And so we're going to look today at dead or alive. Is Jesus dead or alive? And my hope is that we will get encouragement today that as we leave here, we will be encouraged with the hope that Jesus is alive. And we're going to look at different uh, reasons of why it makes sense that Jesus actually rose from the grave. And it's excitement. And it's really exciting that Jesus rose from the grave. Now, it's Easter. So anytime Easter rolls around, sometimes people get dragged to church. I won't make you raise your hands and say who dragged you to church, but I want you to know this is that we are glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. If you're here, yeah. All right, I'm going to get my little uh, music. Give me a second. <laughs> all right. Uh, no, it's okay. I got it. Oh, you got it? Okay, all right. That was all part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You're just so in tune with the word, like, like focusing on it. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's all good. No worries. All right. So, so here we have, uh, if you're here for the first time, we're glad that you're here. And actually, uh, next week, we're starting a brand new series called Growing Young, which we're talking about um, bringing all generations together, intergenerational community, and we're going to do some amazing things with what the kingdom of God really is. The kingdom of God represents all generations, all nationalities nationalities, and we're going to really highlight that and focus on that, and we want to invite you back next week, and as always, if you ever want information or you're like, hey, I want to learn more about that, or I want to hear that message, you know, that he, that he was talking about, always go to our website, KaimiKeyChristian.org. It has all the information you'll need on it as well. So, here is the account of the last days of the life of Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life, then Jesus died on Sunday. Today, Easter Sunday, he rose from the grave. Then there was a period of 40 days where he was revealing himself to many different people. I think there's something like nine different appearances after the resurrection. And so he was revealing himself to people. So people saw the risen Christ and we have records of Jesus revealing himself to people after the resurrection. Then on, on 40 days after, then what's called the ascension. He ascended to heaven. But when he went to heaven, he says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. That's God inside of you. And then 10 days later, which is called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And fell on all different people. And Acts chapter 2 talks about this amazing event of Pentecost. People are speaking in different tongues. It's an amazing event. We're going to take um, this, this account that's happening in Acts chapter 2. See what Peter says. Because, because people were like saying, what's going on? They weren't sure what was going on. And Peter gets up and he explains to all the people there what just happened. 
And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 22 to 24, and then we're going to jump to verse 36. So Acts chapter 2, verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let the Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. And then we're going to look at verse uh, 30, jump to verse 36 of Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. So he, there's this, a lot of commotion going on. Jesus gets up, or, or the Peter gets up, and he explains, here's what is going on. That Jesus, who you crucify, is both Lord and Messiah. But here we are 2,000 plus years later, and we have to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus dead or alive? And I want to share with you just three ideas that I have, three thoughts about why it makes sense to believe 2,000 years later, Jesus is still alive. And so one of the reasons is that because many of the Jews were willing to abandon their way of life to follow the resurrected Jesus. For the last four or five hundred years leading up to this, the Jews were persecuted by the Babylonians, the Syrians, the Hittites, and all these, and Persians, and all these other nations. Persecuted, ransacked, you know, occupied their land. And when we come to the time of Jesus, what's interesting is that, is that we don't really see these other nations anymore, but you still see the Hebrews there following their way of life. Because what's fascinating is that the Jews were huge on tradition. The Hebrews here in Scripture are huge on tradition and on their national identity. They didn't want to marry anyone from other nations because they would begin to lose their national identity. So time and time again, when they were occupied, you know, some did marry other nationalities, but that was looked down upon. And in some writings, it even says that if you do things like that, it's like losing your soul. And so they were pretty strict on that because the identity of these Hebrews that we're reading about here was everything to the Jewish person. And the older Jews knew that. So the older Jews did everything they could to push their values or to encourage the younger generation to not intermarry and to, to stick with their social identity. That they are Jews, that they believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that's it. And so, and so that is very important to remember. But here is why this is significant. After the crucifixion of Jesus, after the resurrection, we see 10,000 Jews who are following Jesus and claiming that he is the Christ, the Son of God. They were willing to risk being abandoned by their family. They're willing to risk alienation. They're willing to risk this thought that a lot of them had that they could possibly even lose their soul. 
And so they're not just following Jesus, but they gave up their entire life, their social institutions. They had been taught since childbirth. These Jews who were so strict with keeping with their ways, their traditions, how they did things, saw Jesus, witnessed his death, witnessed the resurrection, and they said, that is more important than my way of life. That is pretty powerful, and we, we take it as a whole like that. Another reason to believe in the resurrection is the emergence of the church. Shortly after the resurrection, we have this, this, this church, this, 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 this sect, S-E-C-T, the sect growing. And, then it, and remember, Rome was in charge of all the land. Now, let's imagine for a moment. What would happen if we were back there, first century, and we asked somebody, Hey, what do you think is going to last for the long haul? Do you think it's going to be Rome or this, this church, this random religion that just kind of started? Everyone would say Rome. Because Rome was a powerhouse. Rome had all authority. Rome, ever, all roads lead, led to Rome, so to speak. And yet, what do we see nowadays? Rome is gone. And the church is still there. Here's what's also interesting about the resurrection. That shortly after the resurrection, there was more and more persecution. Even 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years after the resurrection, there was a lot of persecution. Meaning, for example, there was this one emperor named Nero. And Nero would kill Christians and he would put them on display showing everybody that he has the power to do that. Why were they willing to do that? Because they either witnessed that Jesus rose from the grave or they were able to talk to all these different eyewitnesses about what Jesus did. Because Jesus, they came to a point where they realized that living for Christ is more important than living for a lie. And they were willing to go to their deaths for the truth. And so, and so, 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 so the fact that they're willing to do that is just, just amazing. The fact that the church is still around 2,000 years later and all these nations there that were persecuting them and all that, they're gone. But the church remains the, the same. The church is still here and it's strong. A third reason to believe in the resurrection is because the account of women. Now back in the first century, women were not respected. Woman rights was not such a thing. Woman, if a woman witnessed a crime, she could not testify in court because she was not highly respected. This is how it was in first century Palestine. And in fact, Josephus, who's a Jewish historian in the first century, says this, But let not the testimony of woman be omitted on account of the levity and boldness of their sex, since it is probable that they may not speak the truth, either out of hope of gain or fear of punishment. That wouldn't fly today, would it? No. Not at all. The Talmud, and the, the, the Talmud is the, the Jewish uh, religious law, it's their Jewish theology, it's, it, it was the guide for Jewish living. So when we talk about the Talmud, it's like their, their guide on how to be Jewish. And the Talmud states that any evidence with a woman, which a woman gives, is not valid. Any evidence which a woman gives is not valid. Now, understand what's going on here. Women's testimony were not valid. They were second-class citizens. And it was a completely different world. So if we put on our first-century Jewish 
hats, yarmulkes, like Dr. Grannis said last week. We have to put ourselves in their shoes. Here's, what it, here's why I'm going through all of this. If the resurrection was made up, knowing all of this stuff here, how women were not valued, the Bible, if it was all made up, probably wouldn't use women as the first people to witness the resurrection of Christ. Think about that. They couldn't testify in the court of law. Their words weren't valued. They were second-class citizens. But it's interesting that God uses people that you and I normally wouldn't use, right? The early accounts of the resurrection were women. Women were the ones who were at the tomb. Women were the ones who went to the apostles and disciples and says, Jesus is risen. This is huge because nowhere else in, in ancient history like this, in antiquity, would you have something like this? And so you look at the account of women. If this was made up, they probably would have been something like, and Elijah came down. And Moses came down. And somebody else came down. And these great big men, right, witness it. No. Jesus says, I'm using women because they have a huge role to play in my kingdom. So it is, in a sense, women offered strong historical evidence for the testimony that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And today, obviously, so thankful things have changed a lot in terms of all of this. So we could go on and on about reasons why it makes sense to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. There's actually some books out there, The Case for Easter, things like that. If you want more of this, different types of reasons, pick up that little book. If you're here for the first time or second time, even third time, it's free to you. So just pick it up along with your gift. Get that little booklet, and it will hopefully be encouraging your faith. But let's move now, and let's really ask ourselves this question. Is our faith in Jesus dead or alive? Is our faith in Jesus dead or alive? When I was 17, I came to a point in my life when I, I had to make a decision. Was I going to live my life for Christ? Was Jesus going to be the central factor of my life? Or was all this other stuff that I got involved with, I was always involved in you know, extreme sports, skateboarding, and all sorts of other things that weren't good. But I came to a point in my life Skateboarding is good, just stuff that came along with it wasn't good. <laughs> Skate or die, all right? <laughs> Don't get me started. I'll show you videos. <laughs> Back in the day, man, let me tell you how good I was, yep. And the older I get, the better I was, let me tell you. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so so uh, I came to a point, and I'm like, okay. I could keep going down this route here, which I knew wasn't the best because people before me, my friends, were going down that route, and I'm like, ah, they're not ending up too good. And it came to a point when this Jesus stuff started making sense in my head, and I came to a point when I'm like, all right, I need to take that step of faith and say, Jesus, you are my Savior. And I did that, and I started this process, the fancy word is sanctification. It's, it's this process of working and, and, and working in my life and saying, Lord, heal me from the inside. Lord, make me clean. Things like that. And it was the best decision I ever made. I wish I could say ever since that decision, I never had any problems following. All my worries were gone. I never doubted. But 
for those who, who know me, you know I've struggled with depression and anxiety. I've struggled with doubt. I've struggled. I've had faith crisis as a pastor. Go figure. You know, and, and things like that. But here's the beauty of faith. That as we're going through these struggles, God is with us in these struggles if we allow him into our struggles. That's the beautiful thing of faith. That God is there. In Acts chapter 2, let's read verses 36 to 41. Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 41. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Huh? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that Day. What does it really mean to have a living faith in Jesus as our Savior? What does it mean to have a living faith in Jesus as our Savior? The first one means this, is there has to be an agreement. If you want the theological term, it's assent, A-S-S-E-N-T. There's an assent. There's an agreement. It's like, okay, I believe Jesus died. Okay, I believe Jesus rose from the grave. There's an agreement to that. That's part one. Say part one. Now that's good. That part one is good. The second part to all of that, to, but to biblical saving faith, is more than just agreement. There is trust. Say trust. Trust is more than just agreeing that something is true or real. It is putting your faith in what you believe is real. Putting your faith, putting your action in what you believe is real real. Trust is more than just agreeing that something is true or real. Trust is putting your faith in action in what you believe is real. So it's possible to believe in something. It's possible to agree that something is true, but, but not actually act on that. So I believe that I could fly up in a plane and I believe that I could jump out of that plane and the parachute will open. That's agreement. I agree with that. But there's no way in the world, unless I'm dared to do it, there's no way in the world that I'm going to jump out of a perfectly good plane just to see if the parachute opens. So there's agreement, but there's not that trust or that faith to be put in action. So I'm going to be on that plane, and guess what? I'm staying on that plane. Anybody with me? Yeah, who's going to be the one that jumps out of the plane? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Here's your last rites. All right. <laughs> so, so you see the difference there? You can agree with something, but then put it into action as something different. When, when, when I put my faith in action with my wife, right, I proposed to her. Now, I knew she was going to say yes. Come on. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't do that. She'll be your second service, and she'll roll her eyes at me. She'll be like, what are you talking about? Um, so, so I... Uh, I, had, I had faith she was going to say yes, we talked about it, things like that, but I had to put my faith into action that she was going to say yes, and I had to get down on one knee and propose to her, and she said no, just kidding, she said yes, so she said yes, like, and then it was a beautiful thing, but even now to this day, our faith has with one another, and our trust and our relationship continues to grow, and there's these good times and bad times and everything else in between times, but we continue to grow, but we are committed to one another because we're constantly putting our faith in one another, our trust in one another into action, living it out. So biblical saving faith, there's an agreement, but secondly, there is trust, and then it's putting it into practice, and let me encourage us. We won't know what it means to be in a relationship with Christ until we make that commitment. We won't know what it means to be in a relationship with Christ until we make that commitment. So let me ask you this. Where are you at in your relationship with the Lord? We've got lots of people here. We're going to have over 1,000 people here over the weekend, right? So there's lots of people in different areas of faith. But, but I'm just talking to you individually. Where are you at in your faith? Is your faith strong? Is your faith, was your faith strong at one time but now is, is weak? Have you never had a strong faith? Where, where are you at? And let me encourage us. Wherever you are at, God will meet you there. In the sunrise service, I, I referenced this passage in Mark where, where Jesus healed this boy's uh, son who had an impure spirit, and Jesus cast it out of him. Jesus asked the boy's father, he says, do you believe? The father says this, yes, Lord, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. So wherever you are in faith, understand that whether you have doubts, whether you're struggling, the Lord meets you where you are. And hopefully that's encouraging and comforting to you that the Lord will meet you where you are. And that is the promise we have in Scripture. Now, let's ask the question, is our commitment to Jesus as our Savior, is our commitment to him as our Savior dead or alive? Acts 2.36, Peter says, God has made this Jesus, this Jesus whom we crucified both Lord and Christ. He has made this, he has made Jesus whom we crucified both Lord and Christ. When we talk about Jesus being Lord, we're talking about Jesus being master of our lives. We're talking about Jesus being the Lord of our lives, number one in our life. And when people heard this, they responded by being baptized. They heard the message of Jesus, and then they were baptized. They heard the message of the resurrection, and then they were baptized because they wanted to respond in faith to what just happened. And so they responded in faith, and their faith was action. You know, sometimes we have faith, and we're really connected with the Lord, but something, sometimes life hits. And sometimes it's a death. Sometimes it's sorrow. Sometimes it's some type of mental illness that throws us off. Sometimes it's a medical condition. Sometimes it's a bad experience at a church. And at one time, we had this amazing faith, but over time, it's been eroded, and it's gone away. My hope 
for everyone here today is that we would be able to fix our eyes on the cross. Because it's because of the cross and the love that Jesus had because of the cross that he gives us renewed and a fulfilled life. So if you are hurting, if you have pain, if you are struggling, if there is some deep hurt within you, there is healing in the name of Jesus. There is healing that can come because Jesus is not dead, he is alive. And maybe that healing comes through professional Christian counseling. Maybe that healing comes through a great mentor. Maybe that healing comes through a divine method. I don't know. All I know is that God's in charge. He created everything and he sent his son Jesus for us because he loves us. We are loved. We are so loved. As the band comes, I want to encourage us with this last thought. Today, our faith can be renewed. Today, our faith can be renewed. Wherever you are on the spectrum of faith, it is never too late to say, Jesus, here I am. And because Jesus is risen, he will take us where we are and he will work and mold within us and give us the most exciting, vibrant life we possibly could imagine. Why? Because this faith in us is not dead. The faith in us is alive. Jesus is alive. This is the greatest day of history because without the cross, there is no Christianity. Without the cross, there is no hope. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness. Without the cross, there is no reclamation reconciliation with the Father. Without the cross, there is nothing. We are here today because we are loved. You are here today because you are loved. Maybe you were dragged here. Maybe you just decided to come, but the Lord wants you to know you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. And stop with the doubts. We don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm thinking. Stop with that. I don't. Jesus does. And he still went to the cross for our sins. That's how much we lo he loves us. That's how much he cherishes us. You're not damaged goods. You're not uh, broken. You're not anything. God says, I love you, and I could restore you. Just come to me. So my hope is that today our faith will be renewed. Today our faith will take that new step where we say, Lord, it's time for me to get back on board. It's time for me to put my focus on you. Why? Because he is the one who calls us to him. The creator calls the creation to him. Amen? Let's say this. Say, I, I am, am loved. loved. Let's stand together and sing.